G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. If you say that your transgression is so bad that God can't forgive, do you know what you're saying? You're saying that the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough. And it is. Yeah, sure, we've got the dark trinity, Baal, Ishtar, Molech, but they're no match for the real trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Well, this is the final chapter in this epic series, Under the Influence. It's been an intense one at times, but Pastor Jeff hopes it's opened your eyes to the influence of evil forces over culture and society. Today we hear the remainder of the message Pastor Jeff has titled, The Greatest Story Ever Told. The whole series really all goes together. So if you need to catch up on other episodes, you can find them all wherever you listen to podcasts. You just need to search for Today with Jeff Vines. Let's finish this message and this series right now with Pastor Jeff. Which God are you serving? Baal? Ishtar Molech. Baal is the God in the ancient world that turns the hearts of men away from the Creator and we start worshiping created things. Money, power, affluence. We go to those things as coping mechanisms to fill the void in our hearts. And then Ishtar comes in. Baal ushers in Ishtar. Because when you get bored with affluence and you realize it doesn't work, man starts to worship each other. And so they start to cross the sexual boundaries. And so now, remember, the goddess Ishtar, her motivation is to convert or turn a man's desire for a woman from a woman to a man, and a woman's desire for a man, a woman to a woman. Why would she want to do that? The gods of the ancient world want to to destroy everything that God values. If you want to hurt somebody, hurt the thing they love most. The thing God loves most is you and me. If you can destroy culture, if you can destroy the family, you'll destroy society and ultimately mankind altogether. And then after Ishtar enters the scene, it paves the way for Molech. Molech is the god of child sacrifice. When the people of the ancient world participated in sexual immorality with the high priest and priestesses in the temples as a form of worship, the natural result was children. And they were unwanted, so they were sacrificed on the altar, burned in the fire of Molech. And so now here we are today. All those things have happened in our culture through abortion, through sexual immorality, and through all of us pursuing something above and beyond a relationship with God. But why is it that we all point the finger at people who are struggling with Ishtar when Baal is dominating us? So you're so quick to tell somebody who's struggling with same-sex attraction or adultery or pornography, you guys are really bad over there. We got we to gotta get you out of here. But wait a minute. You're following Bell. How so? All right. Honesty. 
Every time I talk about giving and do a giving series, the attendance decreases week after week. Do you know why? You don't want to be told that you should be living your life for something greater than yourself. And somehow you think that the fact that you're not generous, that you're all about building your kingdom and not God's, that somehow you're better than the people who are struggling with same-sex attraction. And I want to tell you something, you're not. All the gods have gotten us. Me, you, to some degree, they have moved in. They've been relegated to the fringes. They've moved back in the mainstay. And now as a result, do you realize we are all going to be tempted by the gods? And if you don't watch your back, and if you're not committed to Christ, and if you're not pursuing Christ, and you're not in community and accountability and relationship, the current of the world is so strong that it can pull you away. Do you understand that? Now let me... Let me shift gears again. This is the last message. Here's what I want you to see as we pull all this together. In one of my first conversations of helping a person far from God come near to God, it was one of my first ones. I met with a gentleman for over seven years. And in that seven years, we talked almost every Wednesday, about every Wednesday as we had lunch together. And I really wanted to help somebody that I considered far from God come near. But over the years, I began to hear his story and it opened my eyes to the paths that we travel in life. His parents left him They took him to town when he was six years old and just left him and deserted him. He was picked up and taken to an orphanage where he was sexually abused. He goes through life thinking that he doesn't matter, but he's the kind of personality that becomes incredibly driven. He says, I'm going to prove to the world and everybody that I matter and I'm somebody. And he excelled. But through the course of our conversation, he shared with me, even though I was excelling, there was this gaping hole and I couldn't feel it. And every time I felt lost, It seems like somebody provided something to kind of get me over the hump. Drugs, alcohol, a relationship. But those, instead of giving me life, I notice now after the fact that they were further taking me into the pit of destruction. And it's almost like every time I I got to a point where I was ready to look towards something else, that he'll tell you now, the evil one offered something that would take me further and further away from God. Because I didn't know much about God then. And then he said, I had a friend invited me to church then. And I went and I listened and it's like somebody told the preacher all about my life. And I was really upset. And this has happened all in New Zealand and Australia. And he said, I came back again. And then finally I realized that my entire life, all all the things that I'd done were coping mechanisms to deal with this overwhelming sense of lack of significance and love and all of that. But when I found Jesus, he said, Jeff, I can't explain it to you. When I found Jesus, I went up, I got baptized, and it's like the burden was lifted off me. Why do I say that? I say that because you and I have no idea the road that people have traveled to get where they are. But in John 8, I was going to read the passage, but you know the passage. It's where the woman is caught in adultery, and these men bring her because she's been caught in the act. How do you catch somebody in the act of adultery? You set her up. You just didn't happen to be there. So they set her up. They bring her to Jesus. They want him to condemn her. And then Jesus says, and in the original language, this is how it were. It's worded, he... Or she, and I'm assuming that there's no she's there, but perhaps there were. He or she who is without not just sin, but this sin, be the first one to cast the stone. This sin. And then it says the older ones left first. Why? Well, because they've been around long enough. No, man, I can't fake this. I mean, all my, I looked at stuff. I've done things, man. I, I, you know. And then the younger ones finally admitted, yeah, I probably bad. I'll leave too. They all left. And then Jesus looks at the woman and says, who condemns you? She says, nobody. And then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. But then he says, go and leave your life of sin. Well, wait a minute. If you're not condemning me, why are you telling me I'm a sinner? Because Jesus saw something in the lady's life that you and I could not have seen. What got her there? What 
What made her into the person she had become? Maybe she desperately wanted her father's approval and didn't get it. Was she abused by a relative? Was she forced into selling herself in a time when you could not survive? Was she abused by her first husband? What kind of coping mechanisms did she develop? What Jesus is trying to say is, it doesn't really matter where you've been or what you've done. You're one decision away from total forgiveness and restoration. That's the point. That's the point of John 8. That's the point of Jesus' ministry. He doesn't seem to be interested to go in where you've been, just in where he wants to take you. That's why I did the series. I know another young man. He wanted desperately the love of his father, but his father was a narcissist, probably because his father was a narcissist. So his father, the thing he wanted most from his dad, he didn't get. So guess what? In his early 20s, he met an older man who gave him that kind of security and affirmation. And over time, it turned into a gay relationship. But for the young man, it wasn't about the sex. It was about the acceptance and provision. We have no idea all the things that play a part to get a person to where they are. But the point is, here's what I want you to learn from the series. Number one. Number one, work with me. Work together to redeem this land for the sake of our children. Work with me here. But as you work with me, as you work with me, know that you've got people who've been raised in a culture where the gods from the fringes have returned to mainline society and they have been impacted. So it's going to be hard work. You've got to give grace. You've got to give mercy. But at the same time, you've got to tell the truth. It's not loving to hide the truth. So help me restore. Now, when, David, when, uh, when Daniel was captive, taken captive by the Babylonians, and by the way, why was Israel taken captive by the Babylonians? Because they stopped serving and worshiping God. So the thing that got them into the land, the thing that gave them prosperity and affluence, they turned their back on. So God said, well, I'm going to send the Babylonians in and discipline you, and maybe you'll come to your senses. That's what God does. I've often wondered, who will God send into America to discipline us? But either way... Our response is to be the same because what did Daniel do? Daniel didn't picket, protest, and scream. What Daniel did was just keep living a life of distinction that was so powerful that people around him wanted to know what made him different. Listen, the problem is not out there. The problem's in here. The problem is with the church in America, not the world. We're not distinct enough anymore. We watch the same things. We go the same places. We read the same stuff. We participate in all the same activities. Pew Research tells us that 73% of all Christ followers in the congregations in America are addicted to pornography. Why are you talking so much about what's going on out there when we've not cleaned up our own house? However, and this is a big however, and it's what I think most of you have been waiting on me to say for a long time. There is something different between us and Daniel. We live in a different world. We live in a... Well, again, I said, I think it's more of a republic, but just so that we can be on the same page, a democracy. And in a democracy, we have power, something Daniel did not have. But the key is Matthew 10, 16. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves, innocent as doves. So Jesus says, use your head. How can you reach people far from God without destroying, be gentle, without destroying your primary goal, helping people far from God come near? And the fact is, here in America, because we're in a democracy, because you have to use the idols of the West as a means to reach them for the one true God. The idol of the West is materialism. 
That means that Christ followers have a lot of power. Your power is that you quietly go about your business praying even though they tell you you can't pray. Reading scripture in public even though you can't read scripture. Talking about Jesus wherever you go. But you also have a silent power called buying power. And if you as if the Christ followers in America, forget about America, if the Christ followers just in San Dimas and Laverne and Glendora stop supporting those primary agencies that are devaluing Judeo-Christian values and coming after our children, let me tell you, they would wake up. They would. They would say, wait, because money means everything. Money means everything. So if they stop making money, they're going to say why. And that's when they're going to find out. They're going to maybe we shouldn't do this. So here's what I've done. I've told you I'd do my research. You know that I don't do, typically do this kind of thing, but I'm doing it now and I probably won't do it again for a very long time. Here's what I've learned. Here are the corporations that are aggressively trying to undermine the Judeo-Christian worldview. Okay? Number one, Disney. Number one, if just the Christians in SoCal stopped going to Disney, they'd take a good look at themselves. But here's the problem, and I told you it's going to be a little rough. You won't. Because you're, you're in a culture of affluence, and when you're affluent, you're going to get what you want when you want it, and nobody's going to tell you what to do. So the Christ followers in the early church died for their faith, and we can't even give up Disneyland. <laughs> do you understand that when a significant group of people push back against sinful ideologies, the trajectory of culture can be changed? This is the way you do it while loving those who are far from God. You don't get loud. You don't get vitriolic. You do everything you can to live a quiet and peaceable life, but you use the power that God has given you and you use the advantage of culture. I think that's exactly what Paul did when he kept going into the synagogues. Culture is built around the synagogues. That's where I'm going. But when your identity, when your church becomes associated with a political position, then you're in trouble. You see, that's why you, there's, a, there's such a fine line to travel. My job is not to do, my job is to preach the scriptures. And most of you know, if you've been here any length of time of the work I try to put in every weekend so that you can walk away thinking, okay, I understand that passage and how it relates to my life. I don't want to just be a pep rally coach. You know, you can do it. You know, when the outlook is bad, try the uplook. You know, I don't want to just say that for 30 minutes. I want to give you something that's going to sustain you. But please remember your greatest weapon, your real power that you have is repentance against the hypocrisy in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you an example. Almost done. We're, we're doing well. So we're in, we're in Kauai, my father-in-law and I, and a friend. Uh, this is a couple years back, and there was a golfer behind us, a single, and we thought, let's call this guy through because he's a pretty good player. You can tell by a swing. Let's let him go through. So he goes through, but he stops, and we start a conversation. Hey, man, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. And we find out he's from Corona. He finds out I'm a pastor. Oh, you're a pastor. He said, where? I said, one at all church. He goes, ah, I've been there. One time, one, one or two times, my, my, my girlfriend, uh, I'm, I, he said, I'm a Christian and I've got my girlfriend here. We're here on holiday together. We've got two kids together. We're not married. We live together though. Now here's the thing. He didn't bat an eye. He didn't feel bad about saying that to me at all. At all. There was no shame, no guilt, nothing. Okay, I'm going to say this one more time and I'll, I'll wait a while. If I say to you, follow me, and I start walking this way, and you go the other way, you're not following me. Okay, if Jesus says, if Jesus says, sex is between a man and a woman in the context of marriage, and he walks this way, and you go the other, you're not following him. 
If you've got an addiction to pornography, you're not following him. If you're sleeping with somebody you're not married to, you're not following him. If you're cheating on your wife, you're not following him. All sexual immorality is the same in the eyes of God. So before you start yelling at what's going on out there, let's clean up our own house. And let's, if we're Christ followers, let's live like we are. Work to redeem this land for the sake of our children. Work toward repentance for the sake of salvation. Let me say again, the point of the series has been to encourage you that no matter where you've been, what you've done, there's forgiveness. Do you know that? I don't ever, for those of you who are struggling with same-sex attraction, please hear me. I love you. Don't leave. I want to go this journey with you the same way I want to go on a journey with somebody who's struggling with not having sex with his girlfriend, even though they're not married. I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm telling you, I got it. I know what life is like. Believe it or not, I was not always this ugly. (laughs) I was young once. I could get to girls. I know what it's like. So, but I love you. And because I love you, I want to tell you the truth. This is not your best life. So I want you to stay though and go on the journey. I want to help. I want want to put you, I want you in a group of people who will love you and say to you, who is it that condemns you? Neither I, but go and leave your life of sin. You see that? You see that? So whatever you've done in the past, whatever you've done, and those of you who are addicted to money, that you use God, your real God is money, so you use the real God to get your idol. Because you come to church and you do everything you do because you think, if I can get God on my side, he's going to give me more money. That means your real God's money. <laughs> Repent. This is the weekend where you, God, I'm sorry. I'm not generous. I'm greedy. I live in constant terror that I'm not going to have enough. But really, I know the only thing I can't live without is you. And repent this weekend while you're wanting to, while you're pointing the finger, you sexual immoral people need to repent. You need to repent. I need to repent. All of us repent. For those of you, when you were younger, had an abortion. Can I tell you something? God loves you. He forgives you. Repent. Name it and say, God, I see now that I did this for convenience sake. I know there are other circumstances. I'm talking about the 97% that have an abortion because of inconvenience. Come on now. Whoever you are, God is good and he will forgive you. And that's the third and final point. Okay. Work toward purity for the sake of distinction. Okay. Because you're the final audience and we can go over a little bit, I'll give you a little extra with no charge. Come on now. Come on. My, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I don't know, many of you don't know my father-in-law, Charlie Delaney. He was in the nine o'clock today. He's 83 years old. He's my mentor, my friend. He's one of those that you don't find very much anymore. Just solid preacher of the gospel who has lived a life in integrity with his family, with his children, his grandchildren. I don't know if you know this story, but I was 19 years old and I was struggling with what my next move in life was. I realized that I was never going to go to the NBA. I was good enough to be here, but I was never going to go beyond. And some friends of some men invited me to a men's retreat out in the, uh, the, the sticks of East Tennessee. And I sat there trying to debate what, what I'm going to do with my life. And it was all about me at that point. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And this funny little man gets up to preach. And he was so captivating. I had no idea who he was. 
But I remember drawing a line in the sand that day, and I thought, that's it, that's it. I am, I am living for God. I am going this way, and I'm never turning back. I want to live my life for something bigger than myself, and I want to see what God will do with me. Now, here's what's interesting. I go to that, so I made the decision to go to, to study in the seminary. The meeting was in June. I started seminary in the 1st of September. When I went, I met this girl named Robin. We started dating. We got serious, and in six months, she took me home to meet her father. It was that guy. It was that guy. I mean, it's an amazing story. I go to her house. She goes, I want you to meet my dad. Wait a minute. I know who you are. I remember that day, but it's all, it's all God, what God was doing to get me to where I am now. But, but God doesn't love me more than you. He's trying to get you to where he wants you now. But you've got to make a decision in your life. I'm going to step across. I'm asking you this weekend. That's it. No more pornography. No more sexual immorality. No more trying to stockpile and build my own kingdom. From this day forward, I'm stepping across the line. I've been going that way. Now I'm going this way, and I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm asking you to do that. Whatever transgression... If you say that your transgression is so bad that God can't forgive, do you know what you're saying? You're saying that the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough. And it is. Yeah, sure, we've got the dark trinity. Baal, Ishtar, Molech. But they're no match for the real trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right? There is but one God, the creator of all things. There is but one Jesus, the Savior, who atoned for your sin. There is but one Holy Spirit, the one who can come into your life and transform you from the inside, who not only changes what you do, but what you want to do. And there's only one way and only one heaven prepared for those who have been transformed by God's Spirit. And according to John in the book of Revelation, we are in those days where many hearts will turn away from God and the cost of following Christ will be too great and they will live those lives of mediocrity and refuse to follow Jesus. But for those who turn and choose to repent and follow him, everything we've lost in this world will be replaced to an infinitely greater degree in the world that is to come. My favorite three scriptures. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then listen to Colossians 1, in light of everything that we've done in the series, this is the way to end it. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I don't care what it is that you've done. I mean, I care, but in the whole scheme of things, you're one defining moment away from security in eternity with Christ. And I know you're not going to, when you turn and go the other way, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect now and never sin. Believe me, I know that by experience, right? But if you'll turn and ask for forgiveness and, re and truly repent with the intention of going in the direction God has called you, I'm telling you, he will give you the supernatural power that you need. He won't override you because it goes back to love and freedom. But if you invite him in, he'll come in and he'll give you the supernatural power that you need to overcome all temptation. That you live within those parameters, God is going to bless your life in ways. He's going to fill that void that you have, that you're trying to fill by idols. He'll fill it in a way 
And when he's done it, you'll think, oh, I am so glad. How sweet and precious is the name of Jesus who comes into my life. And there is a well springing up within me that just overflows. Okay? Father, thank you. I praise your name for your goodness and for your mercy. Anything that I've said during this series that is not consistent with your word, I pray that it would be like seed fallen on the wayside or by the wayside. It will be trampled under the feet of men and will never be remembered again. Anything I've said that's consistent with your word and in harmony with your will, that it would be remembered for a long time to come, that it would go deep into our hearts and transform us. And I pray right now as we call on your name, that as you've told us in James 5, the effective prayer of a righteous man releases the divine energy of God into the lives of people for whom we pray. And I pray that you would do an awesome work in Christ's name. Everybody sin. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.